Hello, welcome to the final swipe, a podcast about healing our hearts and finding love. I'm your host, Nikki Novo. Hey there. Do you ever wish you could ask me a dating question on the regular? Like actually have me tap in intuitively and answer your questions? Well, guess what? You can. Now I am offering a monthly membership option where you can ask me questions throughout the week and I will be answering them in a group format. And we also have a membership site where you can find guided meditations that I've made to help you along your dating journey. Also some videos with some how-tos, basically the things that I give my coaching clients or my one-on-one clients, but all in one little home that you can access on your own time. And that way you're not kind of floating around trying to figure out this thing by yourself. I can help you. And the the best part is it's a really affordable price of $37 a month. No commitment. You can jump in and jump out. We're not going to hold you to anything, but I really just want you to get the guidance that I know so many of you need. And I don't want you floating around and prolonging this love finding thing. I want you to get there quicker. And I know that if we do it together, we can get you there faster. So I hope you join. Go to NikkiNovo.com backslash membership to join. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of The Final Swipe. Thanks so much for being here with me. So today we have a special guest. Her name is Bethany Webster. And Bethany is an expert on the mother wound. And I am a total geek about anything having to do with the mother wound. It's actually some of the stuff that helped me get into the work that I do today. And um, a lot of my self-discovery started with looking at the relationship I have with my mom and really kind of looking at myself through the eyes of my mother and doing all of that work. And um, I actually sought out Bethany because... I know how much mother stuff affects us when we're dating, um, and it's really just a topic I wanted to bring into your world, and I wanted you to be aware of it, to think to think about it, to hear about it, uh, because if it is not work that you have done yet, I would really invite you to do that work, and um, it, it doesn't look like it's something that's related, but it's just really related in the way that we date. Um, it really affects the way that we see ourselves and it's really just not something that we talk about often. So I'm so grateful that Bethany came on the show to talk to us and to share her knowledge and her wisdom with us. And, um, just to, you know, take a little bit of time to have this conversation and to examine it in our own lives. So hope you all enjoy it. Uh, I think you're you're really going to like it. So any comments or questions, feel free to send me a little DM on Instagram or even just leave a comment below the post on Instagram about this podcast episode. All right. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Final Swipe. We have a very special and amazing guest today, Bethany Webster, who is here to talk to us about the mother wound. I'm so happy and and honored that she's here. It's a very important topic for all of us women and especially for those of us who are dating. So it's, we are in for a treat and get your pen and paper out or just keep your heart open because she's going to be speaking to you. So thank you so much, Bethany, for being here. Welcome. Hi, Nikki. It's great to be here. So Bethany, we're going to start by, you know, if you could just start by introducing yourself, telling, telling us a little bit about yourself and your work and how you got into your work. Sure. Yeah. My name is Bethany Webster. I'm a writer. 
uh, a coach and an international speaker. And I started this work on healing the mother wound back in 2013. Um, I had come out of a time when uh, I just had some really tough stuff with my mother. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really use the word mother wound at that time. Um, I thought I had a great relationship with my mother growing up. But then as I kind of went into my late 20s, a lot of tension built up in that relationship. And so there was kind of a big blowout. So I went through a long process of looking at that, what that was about. And I came out the other side of it after doing a lot of healing work. And I realized that, you know, there's a connection between any tension that we have with our mothers and how we show up as women, how we show up in our relationships, how we show up even in our relationship with ourselves at the foundation. And when we work through um, that, like do that deeper work around that, like how is the relationship with our mothers holding us back? What were some of the limiting beliefs and patterns that we internalize through that relationship? Uh, because often the limiting patterns, like beliefs about ourselves that we're not good enough, um, any kind of shame or guilt that we internalize as a result of the dynamics with our mothers, it really limits us in how we show up in the world. So I kind of use this term, the mother wound, to talk about it. And this is not a term I created. It was something that um, a few writers have mentioned in the past, but nobody had really fleshed it out. Like, what is the mother wound? How does it show up? Why is it important that we heal it? So um, when I came out of my own journey, uh, which was, you know, around, yeah, many years, (laughs) I came out the other side of a big process and I was like, wow, I feel so much more connected to my body, you know, to myself, to my purpose. And I, I realized that it was because I went through this deeper healing journey. And I really wanted women to know that this was possible because I was seeing women all around me that were like having trouble with their relationships with their mothers or having trouble in relationships, but not knowing that it actually, it actually had roots in the, right. the, the mother wound. So I started a blog in 2013 and I was really honestly scared about sharing it because, you know, talking about our mothers, it is still a taboo topic yes. and people definitely shy away from it. And culturally, there's just this attitude towards us as women that if we acknowledge any kind of, you know, negative relation, negative feelings about our mothers or that there's anything wrong in that relationship, we automatically feel guilt and the sense that we're an ungrateful daughter and that we should just, you know, there's so much pressure to stay silent. Um, and it's, you know, all of our mothers and grandmothers have gone through this and felt this pressure to be silent. And what ends up happening is we just, it's a way that we hold ourselves back. There's a real connection there. So I started a blog. I was really scared, but I was like, you know what? I need women to know that this is possible, that healing is possible, and that this is kind of an invisible thing Mm -hmm. that so many of us are struggling with, but we don't yet have the name for it or the vocabulary or even a roadmap of how to get out of it to the other side. So that's exactly what I did. I started a blog. It immediately went viral. I mean, almost like my second or third blog post, I was getting calls from people in Barcelona and all over Europe. It was kind of crazy and it was awesome because I realized, wow, so many of us have this. We are dying to talk to each other about it. Right. And it kind of created this, this awesome, uh, 
conversation, you know, around the world. And so I went teaching and I started really doing my work at that time. So now, uh, a few years later now, um, I've been working with hundreds of women now and I've seen the transformation that's possible. And I even started working with women, um, very high level kind of business owners, entrepreneurs, CEO, corporate women, and even at the highest levels of success and leadership, women struggle with this. Um, the thing that really inspires me about it though, is that, you know, and let me just tell you a little bit about what the mother wound is, because some of you might be listening and thinking, Okay, what exactly is she talking what about? What is this thing? So, yes. <laughs> what is this thing? And it's, and you, and ladies, er, um, listeners, it's wound. So like W-O-U-N-D. So I know sometimes it sounds like womb. Oh, right. Mm. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Mother wound. So like an injury, so to yes. speak. So I like to talk about the mother wound as having three levels. The main level is the personal level. So all of us have mothers, right? Even if we don't have children or, you know, all of us are daughters, basically. So the mother relationship is one of the most significant relationships in our lives. And the dynamics that were put forth in those early years of our lives really set up how we see ourselves, how we see our bodies, how we see relationships, sexuality, money, like all the big things are impacted by our mothers. Um, and even if we were adopted or even if our mothers, you know, aren't in our lives for some reason, the mother relationship is still super crucial and significant. Now, some people will say, are, are we blaming our mothers? And the truth is that, no, this is not about mother blame. It's not about Shame or anything or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really just about the relationship with our mothers is a huge source of information about who we are, why we do the things we do, why we show up the way we show up, why we have the fears and trepidations that we have. So, all of these things that we struggle with in our current lives have them their roots in our early part of our lives with our mothers, and the mother wound actually is something that's in us. It's not really about our mothers per se. Ultimately, it's not about our mothers at all in the end. It's really about our relationship with ourselves and um, the beliefs that we have about ourselves. So the mother wound by definition is really any limiting beliefs or patterns that we have in us uh, as a result of the dynamics with our mothers. So it's something that we heal within ourselves. And the great thing about it is that as we do the deeper work, which I can tell you more about later, we transform all different parts of our lives because the relationship with our mothers lays down such a blueprint. When we work at that level by, un, you know, uncovering these beliefs, um, dissolving them, working through them, um, we automatically show up differently in all these areas of our lives. Let me give you an example. So when I was, um, this is around the time I think I was in grad school. I was in therapy. I've been in therapy for, you know, a long time since I was 19. I've always loved psychology and spirituality and we've always been fascinated with figuring myself out and figuring other people out. So, but I was working on myself from a very young age. And I, I remember though, I was terrified of thinking about the relationship with my mother. I was like, I don't want to go there. It's complicated. It's stressful. I just want to like work on my life. So I started working on my relationships, you know, my, um, you know, why I was attracting certain kinds of partners, as well as my relationship with my body. I went through a lot of body stuff, um, 
just having trouble with food and just weight and all that. Um, and even career, you know, I was working on like, what do I want to do with my life? Where am I going? And, but you know, what's so interesting. I found that no matter what area of my life I was working on, it always came back. <laughs> the challenges always came back to the beliefs and patterns that I had internalized as a result of my relationship with my mother. So it always Which gets very annoying, like, <laughs> but it's the way it, it is. Does. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Cause I was like, I don't have to do that. If I just work on all this other shit, then I might not even have to work on that. You know, I was like trying to avoid it. So, but eventually I was like, I need to look at this. I realized just how many tentacles it had in all these different parts of my life. And I'm like, if I really want to move forward, I really have to suck it up and just look at this. So I felt supported enough and ready. And I started looking at this relationship with my mom and um, it was really painful and challenging. And at the same time, really enlightening because I realized um, when I was working through it, that changes started showing up automatically in my life um, as a result of working on this very central core issue. And I was thinking to myself, why don't we talk about this more? Why aren't we talking about the relationships with our mothers, about the mother wound? Because it really impacts generations, like the struggles that we all have as women are very similar to the ones that our mothers had and our grandmothers in different times, but very similar patterns. Um, and that leads me to the second part of the mother wound, which is the cultural level. So the mother wound isn't just personal with what we struggle with all of us, you know, in our daily lives, but it's also cultural. And mm. the mother wound on the cultural level is all about how uh, we live basically in a patriarchy. We live in a culture that says, that women are less than and that we are inferior and that we are valued most when we are um, small and shrinking and silent, you know? So this cultural atmosphere of patriarchy is really what gives rise to the mother wound. It is a tension that's created between women in this atmosphere of we can't be big, we can't be honest, we can't be ourselves, we're going to be rejected if we're real. And it's the mother um, so, trying to keep the daughter quiet and being like, this is what you need to do in order to like survive in this society. And But then it's like attention with the mother, but it's also the mother trying to do what she thinks is right for the, for her child. Exactly, Nikki. Super, you put that beautifully. Um, so that's exactly what it is. And some mothers, you know, I really think the mother wound is on a spectrum. So on one end, right. the spectrum is like really healthy mother-daughter relationships that are harmonious and, and healthy. The other side of the spectrum is the more traumatic, abusive relationships between mothers and daughters. And we all fall somewhere on the spectrum. And I believe we all have the mother wound to some degree because even in the best of situations um, in the most healthy mother-daughter relationship, right. there's still this tension, like you said, like of mothers trying to keep their daughters safe, like don't rock the boat, don't be too big, put other people before yourself, um, all these messages to just kind of help us survive. But in the end, those are the very messages that we need to dissolve in order to truly be the powerful, awesome selves that we're destined to be. Right. So it puts put daughters in this predicament and, um, it's confusing. there's also, a, yeah, it's su- super confusing. And because of that confusion, it can really stop us. It can stop us in our tracks in terms of, you know, going for what we really want, what we truly desire, or, 
you know, from saying no to things that we don't want to do, or, you know, there's so many ways it can hold us back, not feeling worthy of pleasure and good things and, you know, just kind of keeping us stuck at a lower level. And unless we do something about it, it just perpetuates itself. And that's the real tragedy is so many women struggling with this, not realizing what it is, not realizing the way out of it. Yeah. And we blame um, ourselves. That's what yes, happens. Um, right. Cause it's just because we're the way that we see ourselves is really, unless we've done the work, we see ourselves through our mother's eyes. Cause that's just, that's what we know. Um, right. but I wanted just to be clear about the knee. Um, so for the listeners who are um, listening, the mother wound does not come and you, you said this, um, very quickly, but the mother wound does not come just from a bad mother. I think it's important to know no. that like the best mothers, um, all we all produce, like I, God knows that I, I have three children right now, Bethany and God knows like yeah. I'm producing, um, I have a daughter, we have an oldest, our oldest is a daughter and, um, God knows like I am producing a mother wound in some way as, you know, as, as aware and conscious as I am, there's going to be, uh, something there because, you know, and, and that is, I think where it gets even trickier sometimes because I have a lot of clients who, again, out of the good girl, um, you know, the, the way, you know, the, the good girl way of being is you don't, you don't question that you don't like, and those of us who had single moms who like were working really hard or who went through whatever, um, hard times, God forbid, we look at them and we, we think like, Oh man, you know, they could have done something better or this wasn't really great. Or this is a little messed up when they did this. Um, but it is important to know that even like the moms that we look up to without knowing cause these wounds sometimes. And that's why like, we just all And it doesn't mean that we're, um, like you said, blaming them, but it's important to, to know that, um, to, to be able to like take a step back and because if not what happens, like you said, Bethany, is that if we can't at least hold them accountable for some of the things that were like a little off, then what ends up happening is that we end up blaming ourselves. And that is really confusing because, uh, we can't move forward when we're blaming ourselves. So I just wanted to make it clear that everybody knows, even if you had the best mom, <laughs> it's still something yeah. to look into. Absolutely. We all have the mother wound. We literally, all of us have it to mm-hmm. some degree. And I don't think it's any need to be like nothing to be ashamed of. I really want to like take the yes. shame and taboo off this issue and allow us all to kind of come out and, and get support from each other so that we can really move through it. Because part of it is not just individual, like doing our own work around this, but also collectively as women, it's such a transformational time yes. right now for us to talk about things that we haven't talked about that have felt shameful, to really take the shame away and to be honest and to get excited about... I mean, I think it's just an exciting time to be a woman and to be like transforming these mm-hmm. kind of intergenerational wounds that have kept women down for centuries and they, they get be passed, part of the change and they get passed on. And it's funny, Bethany, the minute you started talking about mother wound, um, all the ancestors showed up, like I'm full of goosebumps right now because everybody, everybody's ancestors are just showing up because it is, it's the ancestral line as well. Like what the idea is that, um, we can, you know, not com- you know, necessarily completely break, but in many ways, like 
your generation, whoever's listening, like this could be the generation where you really heal something that may be going on in your life, in your family history for, for four generations back, five generations back, or whoever knows how long. And your ancestors want you to work on this thing so that you, we don't pass it on. Totally. Totally. It's like each of us represents a line of women going back into infinity and you are here, like each of us on this call, like you are here as the next woman in line, a very, yeah. very long line of women. And what a powerful opportunity for you to transform what happens next, you know, for those women who come after us. And, and true, those of us who are mothers, we will make mistakes and it's totally okay. Like it's part of becoming conscious. And I think that's the most empowering, powerful thing that we can do as mothers is to just increase our awareness, become mm -hmm. aware of what we are doing, because the tr this is what it's all about. It's about coming to terms with what we went through as children, like really taking in the magnitude of what did I go through as a child? Um, because if we don't really look at that, it directs our behavior, the same fears, the same worries show up in our adult lives. So it's, mm -hmm. a, it's about taking personal responsibility and ultimately having compassion for that little girl that you were. Right. Um, because oftentimes there's like these hopes, I call it, call it the impossible dream mm. is one of the things I talk about. It's an impossible dream that one day your mother will change into the mother that you've always longed for her yes. to be. And, and that means changing yourself. You know, as little girls, often we think, oh, if I'm just pretty enough, smart enough, good enough, if they will see me, they will get me, you know, about our parents, particularly our mothers. And this can go on way into our adult lives. Yes. And it really can impact our relationships. Um, makes me want so to cry. I to give you a, <laughs> yeah. I like to give you an example. It yes, might make it yes. a little more real. It's from my own life. But when I was a little girl, I was always thinking, oh, you know, one day I'm going to be really successful. And one day my mom's really going to see me. I'm going to be so successful and happy. And then one day she's going to turn to me and say, oh my gosh, I was wrong. I see you now. I get you. I love you. I celebrate you. You know, because it's this little fantasy, um, which kept me on kind of a hamster wheel of people pleasing and, you know, trying to impress my mother. And it never, ever worked. Um, there was one day when I got a very big job in my late twenties, early thirties and, um, called her and told her about it. And she was just like, Oh, I gotta go, you know, <laughs> hung up the phone. So it was just like, wow, I'm never going to please her. So some things happened where I realized no matter what I do, right. she's never going to see me. And it's actually not about me. It's about her for whatever reason, she's not capable. She doesn't have the capacity to see me, love me the way that I long for her to do. And so I have to stop hoping. So I did some work with my inner child and we all have an inner child, a little girl inside of us who's a living energy and the inner child within us. Some of you may be familiar with this. Some, some of you may be not, but the inner child is a living energy that can really impact our lives. And she, her whole priority is around staying safe. So if she doesn't feel safe, sometimes she can like um, sabotage some of the things that we might be going for and be excited about, but she doesn't feel safe. So back to my story, I really worked with her and was like, you know, hey, little B, um, mom's <laughs> not going to change. So we really can't hope anymore for this because it's never going to happen. And um, 
So, but she was like, no, I, I'm going to wait forever. I want my mom's approval no matter what. And it was really um, intense for me to realize just how there was a part of me who was just so attached to my mother's approval. And I realized that there was a correlation here with my relationship at the time. At the time I was married um, and I, at this time I started to get a huge realization about this connection. I saw that I had the same dynamic with my husband. And the way that played out was mm. I always felt like I had to work so hard to connect with him. So mm. he was an extremely smart, loving person, but totally disconnected emotionally. So when I would try to connect with him, I really worked so hard and it, it was like pulling teeth and it was like a, the same dynamic with my mother. And I realized that I had this whole thing about having to work hard, overachieve, be the responsible one while the other person didn't put much into it. And it was like, wow. Um, so fast forward several years later, I got really good. Well, I got better at giving up the impossible dream. I had made a lot of progress. I had mourned and grieved a lot about that. The fact that my mother, what she wasn't able to give me and what she never could give me. I, and really learning how to give that to myself. So that's another part of the process that I teach is how do we Self-loving. mother ourselves mm-hmm. and be the mother that we've always longed for? Exactly. And, um, so I had done a lot of work up to that point. And once I did, there was this point where I realized that the, the marriage wasn't going to work yeah. because I had given up the dream enough with my mother that, and I had so much more self-love and self-worth that I realized that I wasn't willing to deplete myself and exhaust myself for connection with someone that wasn't capable of meeting me in that right. way. And so, um, that's an ex- just kind of illustrates how when we give up the impossible dream with our mothers, we give it up. It collapses in other places in our lives. Now, this is awesome because <laughs> it's like it shows up automatically because you're really working at the core level when you're working with the mother wound um, because it's connected to everything else. So, um, but the, gr- the good thing is, you know, some relationships will not survive as you heal and grow. But the good thing is that as you do heal and grow, like my next relationship, for example, I had such a deep, like higher standard and a deep love for myself that I was like, the person who's next (laughs) in my life is got to be ready to go like out the gate. Like there's going to be no rehabilitation, mentoring, healing, (laughs) none of that. Um, This person has to come ready made themselves and at my level. And I'm not willing to play at any other level anymore. Like this is where I'm at. And so the next relationship I had blew my mind. And the reason why I think is because I had cultivated enough self-love up to that point within myself that the person that showed up reflected that back to me and was able to really reflect what I had already learned to give myself. Right. Because in, in many ways we, um, if we kind of seek to heal that relationship. So we'll even find other people to be the people we try to heal because we can't heal the relationship with our mother. So we try to do that in other relationships, which is probably, you know, which is why you attracted that your first husband. Right. 
it, because it, it's, it's almost like this, un, it's like, it's almost having something on our to-do list that we just can't check off. <laughs> so we try to check it off in different ways. We're like, <laughs> and it might be a teacher or it might be, uh, you know, a, a, a boyfriend or like whatever. But I mean, I remember, um, so the first time I obviously had, a, I have a lot, had a lot of mother issues, <laughs> which is why I love this topic. So after the first time I moved, um, out of my home, my parents' home, I moved to California after college and, you know, I had a hard, my mom is, um, you know, since then we, we of course have kept our relationship together, but a bit of a narcissist. And when I moved to LA, like, who do you think the first boss was that I had? And the first boss I tried was like, I was like, wait a second. I went all the other way to this other side of the country. And like, here I am with my mother (laughs) in like, so in so many ways. Um, so it's just, you know, if you don't, if you don't work or have an understanding of that relationship, you're going to repeat it in other, in other ways. And it's just going to be very frustrating. So it's important to just look at it. It doesn't mean that uh, it needs to be perfect, perfectly healed or anything like that, but like at least to start, to start um, looking at it. And one thing that I found was yeah. um, the more that I did that work on myself, uh, first of all, I don't know how you did it, Bethany. I did not do it with my mother because some people like want to have conversations with their mothers and like want to talk. And like, that's just, in my case, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, kind of that impossible dream, like you said, like having this idea of like, you know, running off to in the sunset, holding hands and, like, you know, and, and then changing and all these things. It's, it's funny because my husband, uh, you know, I, I still sometimes relapse and my, my husband will remind me like, he's like, you know, you're like a battered wife, like <laughs> the way that I, cause it's true. Sometimes it's like you go back thinking that things are going to be different and it's, it's not different. Right. One thing that I did find that as you, um, work on it something happens that, uh, I don't want to say that they change, but because you have learned to set like new boundaries and, um, you have more self-worth, they don't penetrate you as much. So like the old tricks don't work anymore. So it looks like they're changing, but they're not. It's really just the way that, um, so you can still have a, I have a, I have a, a really, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's like a deep relationship, but I have a relationship with my mother. They actually live like walking distance mm-hmm. from us, but, um, oh, wow. Yeah. But, uh, you know, in many ways, uh, she, then this has been for years, but I mean, I couldn't even imagine just a few years ago seeing, you know, being close to her and, 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 and physically close, right? Like in location, but because of the work that I did, I'm able to have her in my life. So it's not yeah. that she changes. It's not that, you know, we're running off like holding hands and writing love notes to each other or having like, you know, teary eyed conversations. Like none of that's happening, but I'm still able to have a relationship, which I think is really nice. Yes, absolutely. You brought up so many good points there um, that, yeah, the more you work through it, the more you're going to feel like you're more authentically yourself. You're going to feel more connected to yourself. And your mother will, I've seen it a few different ways. It sounds like your mom, uh, Nikki, is one of those moms who really took in like your new boundaries or the way that you showed up and she adapted, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yes. And some, some mothers are totally capable of that. Like if you express in either outwardly or just in your behavior that you want to do things a little differently, maybe um, change your boundaries around certain things. Um, there's mothers who can adapt to that and will be okay with that. On the other hand, there's some that um, like my mother was a de- totally different story than yours. She 
I think, yeah, it was the first time I had really said, you know, I want to transform our relationship. The dynamics aren't working for me. They're actually really painful for me. And I'd like to transform that. And she was just like, I don't know you. You're not my daughter. You know, just had no tolerance for me expressing a separate sense of self. Mm -hmm. And so there's mothers out there like that. So it's like, you don't really know. You might have a, a clue as to where your mom falls there, but no matter what, the thing you can remember is that you can go slow at your own pace in terms of exploring this stuff. You don't have to have your mom involved at all right. in this process. It's really about you kind of transforming who you want to be. And the awesome thing is you can't lose. When you do this work, you're really stepping into your most powerful self. And even if there is some conflict al- along the way, um, some turbulence along the way that you can trust that you're going to be all right. And, yes, that, just, that, and that you feel good about it. Just gets deeper. Yeah, right. exactly. So Bethany, have you seen any clients who, um, this is affecting their dating life? Absolutely. This totally affects your dating life. I would say besides the relationship with yourself and how you see the world, it impacts who shows up and who you're attracted to in your relationship. So romantic relationships are really the place because they're the most significant, like deep attachment that we form besides our parents. It's really the place where these things tend to play out. So like many women say to me, Oh my God, my boyfriend is my mother or like I married my mother, you know, (laughs) like it's we, this is where it shows up. And I think the best relationship that we can hope for is when we have a partner who gets that and where you're both in a partnership where you're committed to um, a growing awareness, you know, about what your stuff is, each of you and like how you trigger one another and then really being in um, kind of a team and helping each other like step into being more empowered. So that means like empathizing with each other, like what you've been through and really being honest with each other about that. And then really supporting one another in um, transforming that. So it's like the little girl inside of us will always look to the partner to kind of project, you know, like whether with your mother was abandoning or distant from you, or if she was invasive or smothering, for example, um, you can often pick partners. You don't even consciously do this, but it will replicate some form of it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just want to tell everybody that this happens. It's normal. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. Like if, when you say, Oh my God, my partner is just like my mother. It's really just normal. It's human nature. Mm-hmm. And relationships offer us the most exciting laboratory for healing this stuff. Um, like, for example, with my partner, I had some stuff around boundaries. Like, I was used to giving up my power to my partner. And so I've been really encouraged. My partner totally encourages me to set better boundaries. And it's so empowering. I've never had that before. This is like a new frontier um, (laughs) where a partner, like uh, my partner is a woman um, and she's like, I totally see why you have trouble with, with your boundaries and let me support you in really saying, I'm cool with you setting boundaries with me. In the past with all my other partners, it was like, you know, boundaries equal abandonment, you know, like breaking the connection. Mm -hmm. So you get to, I give that experience that example, just to show you that like relationships are where we rewrite the story and you just want to get a partner the more aware that you are, you attract partners who are also 
more likely to be aware of their stuff. And that's when it becomes fun. You know, that's when it becomes like our wounds aren't something that's so burdensome. It's more like we're on this journey together of like being our best selves, healing ourselves and learning how to love from a really free place, not from a place that's about wounds and what we didn't get or, or based on fear, but more like based on like this adventure of growth. Bethany, that's so, um, you said that so well, and it's just so important because, um, I think a lot of the times in, at least in my space, in the dating space, sometimes anybody who's maybe taking dating as like a spiritual process may think, oh, well, I need to, um, feel healed and I need to love myself completely. Um, and all these, you know, kind of, this is like spirituality. This is like perfectionism but yeah. like in spirituality. Um, thinking that they have to be to some whole space in order to find the person that, that is right for them. And the truth is that even just being aware of our stuff, like you said, our, whatever you want to call it, our baggage, our messiness, our stuff it, right there just shows that you're going to bring somebody into your life. Who's also owning their stuff. So you don't have to be, you know, basically what I was getting from what you're saying is like, you don't need to feel like you're all fixed and all ready to go in no. order to find love. Because like you said, and I say this to my clients all the time, um, you think that the work, there's a lot of work in dating, but like the work begins when you're in relationships because it's this constant mirror to the uh. things that we need to unpack. So like to think that we are going to come with all our things figured out, by the time we, what do you think is going to happen in a relationship? Like in the relationship is where we do a lot deeper, um, work and beautiful work because we get, because that's, we get to do in partnership. Like we get to do it, um, in community that stuff that we can't do on our own. So, you know, I, I love that you mentioned that because I think a lot of times we think we need to be somewhere in order to find that love or we're scared. Like, Oh, if I have this baggage, quote unquote baggage, then I'm going to meet you know, that I'm not going to meet a whole person, but everybody's going to come with their things. And, um, mm-hmm. which is more of a reason to at least be aware of what, you know, what your shadows are so that, um, nobody is taking advantage of those shadows without you knowing, you know, in a way. Um, yes, yes, definitely. And I would say one other thing I wanted to say that is really crucial about the relationship space is that when we get into relationship, often what's happening is the little girl inside of us is looking to the partner to some degree to be the parent that she didn't get. So Mm. we want to become aware of that. Yeah. So what I work with with my clients is helping these women to really take ownership of the little girl inside of them, meaning be that inner mother to her. So like getting really into relationship with that child within you, like, Mm. and and that's all about just really sincerity, just showing up with the sincere love for this little girl that you were. And part of that is looking at your childhood and saying, what did I go through? You know, what do I need to face about what I went through? And maybe you need to feel sad and feel angry because what you're really doing is you're feeling all of that on behalf of that little girl that no Mm. other adult was there to feel for her. Mm. And what that does is it creates a real bond. It creates a bond of safety that wasn't there before. And that bond of safety is the bedrock 
for any successful relationship after that, like whatever degree, you know, there's no perfect level. It's just like being on that path of creating that inner safety. And what that means is that you're taking personal responsibility for the fears and, and pain of that little girl inside of you. And you're the primary person for that girl, that little child, nobody mm-hmm. else. Cause we, when, when we're in relationship and our inner child and we just like hand our inner child to our partner, that's not safe. And that's when right. things can get really rough, like codependency, um, narcissist, right? Like all these, yeah, all these things can play out. Um, so it's all about like, yeah, really building that relationship and feeling that safety within yourself so that no matter what comes into your space for a relationship, dating, what have you, you know, that you have you, you know what I mean? There's a right. sense of security that you get and then you're not, um, so beholden or dependent on your partner to make you feel good, to, to make you feel, you know, to do, be all things. To you. Right. Right. Which is like a lot of the times, like what we um, look for, because, and it doesn't take away from the fact that we want to be in partnership, you know, like we, um, that's still something that we would yeah. want, but not necessarily putting all this burden, not maybe not burden, but pressure, um, on yeah, what that like pressure. relationship. Yeah. What that relationship is supposed to be. So what we want our relationship to be, we want it to be adult to adult. Mm. And when we are taking responsibility for our inner child and our partner is as well, that's best case scenario. If your partner, your, the guy you're dating is a woman is like really taking responsibility, then you can have such a dynamic, awesome relationship where both of you are like, you can go deep, you can be truly intimate and you can have more fun. And it's, you can feel yourself growing into a better person, like evolving together. Um, I don't see this happen as much as I, I really would like to see in my lifetime, this become more of the norm where people really get that, like doing the inner child work and the inner, inner mothering work for women is such a place of deep empowerment Mm -hmm. and safety that frees us up to like use relationships as this powerful landscape to step into more of our power and to, experience things that we never could have thought before. So exciting. And, um, Bethany, I know that, so in your course, I would imagine you teach a lot about the, the inner child. Do you have any, um, exercises for the listeners right now that maybe, um, anybody who's like never heard of the inner child, or is there any way to connect with your inner child in, um, in maybe a simple way? Or do you think, um, like, is there anything they can do from now, I guess, to, to connect with the inner yeah. child? Yeah. Absolutely. Inner child work is so much fun. You know, it started in the seventies when people really came to this awareness about we have an inner child and my work kind of takes it a step further into really looking at how do we mother that inner child? Because Mm -hmm. we don't want to replicate what was done to us, right? We really want to give that little girl what she really deserves. And that that's what really repairs. And part of that, and that's something that you can start with very easily is, um, bringing an attitude of curiosity and love and sincerity into connecting with that little girl. So one of the ways that you can do this is to find a picture of yourself when you're a little girl, um, find a picture you really love and put it somewhere where you can see it every day. Mm -hmm. And like, maybe it'll be on your desk or, um, 
you know, on your nightstand or something and connect with her, like really look at that picture of you and really like get into her world a little bit. Like, what was it like when you were that, that little, like, what were you feeling? What were you going through? Um, and start kind of a relationship with her. It sounds kind of silly to be like talking to your inner child. I know I was really skeptical when I started. I was like, Oh, I'm going to talk to myself. Like I'm a child, you know, like it (laughs) felt a little strange, but then once I got going, I was like, wow, this works. It it really is kind of magical. So find a way, find a picture of yourself and then really connect with it once a day, whether you just like pick it up, look at it and send that little girl some love, send her some reassurance, send her some peace. Um, Just opening your heart to that little girl within you um, that's still inside you. She's like a living energy in there. So that's one way. It's very simple. I love that. Another Yeah. Another way, and this is super fun, is to um, think about what did you want when you were a little girl? Like, was there something that you wanted? Maybe, Like for me, <laughs> I did this exercise. I was like, and this is actually around the time that I got divorced. I was like, what can I do for my inner child? I really want to do something special for her. So what I did was I got on eBay and I found like a, a Cabbage Patch Kid from the 80s, literally <laughs> in the box that had never been opened. And I was some like, hoarder. <laughs> it was so much fun. Yeah, totally. And I just, I spent like a lot of time like asking my inner child, like what, what kind of doll do you want? Because she was so in, I mean, I was totally into dolls as a kid. And so I found one that, you know, she really loved and then I ordered it and then it came in the mail. And it was like this whole beautiful process of, getting the doll and it, it, you know, it felt so exciting. You know, it was just, you know, I'm an adult, but there was this part of me that was just so thrilled. And I think it gave my inner child the message that you can have what you want, that someone cares enough Mm -hmm. to listen and to like really hear you and want you to have exactly what you want and who wants to give it to you and wants to take joy in your joy. And so I, I had this whole process of taking the doll out of the box and I took pictures and we took it all around my house. And, um, it was like a super sweet little experience, but it, it really strengthened something in me, the sense of I can have what I want and I can have fun. And, um, so that's just a fun little exercise, you know, or you can like go on Pinterest and create like a a board of all the things you used to love as a little girl. Like I loved my little ponies, the strawberry shortcake and you know, (laughs) things like that. But you know, it's such a simple exercise, but it creates the sense of delight, the sense of play, the sense of, um, giving to yourself and yeah. 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 And we may not notice, I would imagine that like when we're giving, um, kind of indulging sometimes comes from, um, like a lack of mothering, but then like kind of doing it in a way that's like painful, like almost sometimes like those of us that maybe had very strict mothers and then we, we, we value freedom a lot, but, but as adults, we value freedom. So then, but then we end up like sabotaging ourselves because we're like doing things for freedom just for the sake of the freedom because we didn't have it growing up. So I can see, um, how sometimes, if we're not aware of, of it, how it can, like, it, it seems like a way that we're giving to ourselves, but it's in a way, it's a way that we're giving to ourselves. That's actually sabotaging. Right. Right. So you want to do it in a corrective way. So if there was right. something that you weren't, um, given, like, for example, the things I felt I was given a lot were things that my mother wanted me to have for her or that it was on sale or like, you know, <laughs> it wasn't like a process of like joy. So 
it could be something different for you. Like maybe it's um, like having some intentionality around having a day completely to yourself where you literally have no plan and you just go like hour to hour and do whatever it is you want. And you have like a whole list of things that are like audaciously fun, you know, and you just do it. Like find the thing that you think you really needed as a little girl or even as a teen and do that thing because that is the thing that will create a healing experience for you. So Mm -hmm. even just journaling about, you know, what was something I really missed or longed for when I was a child and, you know, what's some really exciting way that I can give that to my, my little girl now, maybe it's play, maybe it's having more time off. Maybe it's, um, traveling. Maybe it's, um, just getting a special little gift like my example. Um, but really this is, it's just like a way of, expressing to that little girl. Right. And letting her know that that we see you, that I see you and that you. Yeah. So, um, Bethany, can I, can I use myself as an example and see like what you would say about this? So I'm, um, you know, been working on my mother things for a long time, for many years. It's probably the beginning of a lot of the work that I do. And actually, I I don't know if you're aware of this book. It's called Healing the Wounds of Narcissist. No, I'm sorry. Healing the Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers. (laughs) Have you heard of that book? I don't know. There's so many with similar titles. <laughs> it's such a good, it's such a good book. I, I'm like, I always laugh. Cause I'm like, after that your Amazon, um, Amazon's going to give you a bunch of like really pathetic book titles after you like buy that book, because it's, it's right. <laughs> but it's like a really, it's a really one of that, that book, like really, cause I think a lot of times, like, you know, being able to uh, being able to see like, Oh, you know, there was, I had a great childhood, but there was a little thing. There's some things here and there like that didn't, that weren't so great. And, um, and oh, like, yeah. because, and that book makes, um, kind of, kind of categorizes like a certain type of mother and it makes it seem like very basic. And I think sometimes we think that like our experiences are so unique. Um, but mm-hmm. I'll often I'm sure in your work, sometimes when you, people may think like, Oh my God, you're talking to me or you're talking to exactly to my mother, but you're like, no, it's pretty basic actually. Um, this is like a thing. <laughs> um, and this is, you know, so I think it's important to, to, to know that, um, it, you know, that it feels very unique because like you said, it's something that we don't like to talk about, but it is very universal. Like once you see mm-hmm. kind of a bit of the damage that, that has happened or whatever, it's, it's a bit universal. Um, so sorry, the, what I wanted to, to mention was like, okay, so I am, um, you know, so my mother and I, our birthdays are one day apart. <laughs> so I was born. Oh, interesting. Yes. I was born July 21st and um, her birthday is July 22nd. So my mom is, um, needs a lot of attention and, uh, I'm the only girl. So she likes male attention. So it's like my father. And then we have two, I have two brothers. So of course, like being born on her birthday was like, I set the tone. I'm sorry, being born the day before her birthday. Like I set the tone completely to kind of like steal her right. thunder and, and that kind of stuff. So we had a, a lot of playing out in the sense of like, I learned to not call too much attention to myself because mm-hmm. then I would get like the wrath later and that, you know, um, to God forbid, like I take any sort of attention away from her little by little. Of course, I've been more open to that. Like I have kind of taken on the role, like as the matriarch in the family, because, um, maybe cause I'm a little bit more like emotionally stable, but like everybody kind of goes around. I have, you know, like the boys and their, their families and my dad, and I kind of handle all those things. So she's little by little, like learned that she can't, 
um, necessarily fight that, but in my work, um, I, I recently wrote a book and, um, I always find myself, um, having a little bit of a hard time promoting my work because it's that fear of like getting on stage, even though I know, um, that that is part of my calling and it's part of like mm-hmm. what I'm meant to do this lifetime. Um, but because, you know, and I'm very aware of this, so I'm, 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 I'm able to like talk myself through it, but it's by no means like where I would like it to be. Um, mm-hmm. but wondering if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. You said you've been working on this for a while and you're able to talk, to get yourself through it. I'm curious, what is the, is there a stopping point or is there a particular thing that you think is just yeah. particularly hard for you about it? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I guess what's hard about it is like shining is like a kind of really, uh, you know, I, I, like, even it's funny when I speak, like I can see how I limit myself to like a certain amount of people. Um, I Mm. like only let myself go so far and I've had, and listen, I, and I know it sounds ridiculous because I have a lot of, um, outwardly outward success, but I, I also know that, um, you know, just, it's almost like I create this thing. People really love the book, let's say, and it's still hard for me. My next thought, it's funny because I know this, but my next thought is like, oh, I just need to write the next one. And and that one, mm. no, I mean, that one's great, but like, wait until you see what I'm going to write next. And it's because, you know, it's kind of like, let me like that, you know, kind of the idea of like, this is good, but I can do something even better. Like, let me, and when I do that thing better then that will be worthy of the stage. So, um, ah. yeah, it's so interesting. So, I mean, little by little I work on it and I, you know, it's kind of through will in many ways, like, okay, Nikki, like you just got to, you know, like self mothering myself. I see. Like, it's going to be okay. We're going to do this, but I have to consciously be aware of the, the lack of putting myself out there that I sometimes do. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, thank you for explaining that. I think what, what I would do is, is to look at what are the deeper fears underneath that. So for example, is there a fear that if you truly shine, if you were to you know book a massive event with like hundreds of people and you were on the stage, you know, what would that mean for Right. Your mother or, you know, or like to little Nikki, the, the little girl inside of you, what's her fear about that? What would that mean if you were to fully shine at the, at the fullest extent that's possible right now, rather than going these little attenuated bits? Right. These like controlled versions of them. Um, yeah, no, I think that, I think it would be like, oh, I would be uh, ridiculed. I think it would be like seemed as silly because, because, mm-hmm. because also what's interesting is the mother wound is also, a, um, also relates to the whole family dynamic. So I think that you may have the mother wound and, um, but you're also how that mother wound shows up also determines um, your role in the family. So I have like two right. brothers and a father and it's like who she told me I was also has a lot to do with like who my siblings and who my father think I am. And mm. so I think that what's interesting is that the shining isn't so much my concern about my mother because I've worked through that, but it's more this concern of like the ma- the men in my family and the men in my, ah. in my life, like is my, like my husband will leave me or think I'm ridiculous, that kind of situation. Um, because that's who I am 
to like that, that, you know, like that's who the chat, who the little girl sees herself as, um, yes. in the yes. family, not so much, I can, mm-hmm. do, you know what I mean? Like my brother's like, I, my, it's funny. My younger brother who's five years younger than me, um, once told me, and I've been like, you know, we, our relationship is beautiful. And, and, uh, I've always been like, we've always been best friends, but he's like, you know, I just remember you putting on like these shows when you were little and like tantrums <laughs> and like these tantrums and like acting out. And like, I was like, that's funny because it, that's what my, that's kind of a story my mother would tell. So that's how I was seen, but that's not really what I was doing. I was just, act, I was speaking up but speaking up mm. was acting out. And then therefore the boys see, saw me as acting out and like calling unnecessary, unnecessary attention. So it's funny how like the mother wound in my case, I don't know if you've seen that in other people, but it also affects like who you show up as in the family dynamic. Absolutely. It totally does. Because usually the, the, the family to some degree is organized around the mother or sometimes the father as well. Right. Um, Depends if you're, yeah, yeah, like who you're, if you grow up in a matriarchy or patriarchy. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, if you step out of your normal role, what's going to happen? And usually the fear, and I'm hearing some subtext under there is that the fear is if I'm really my fully expressed self, then I'm going to be abandoned. I'm going to be alone. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the core fear that so many of us have, like myself included, right? It's just like the biggest fear. And the key here, and I love that you said earlier about like, talked about roles, is part of the process, what we're really talking about in healing the mother wound is self-actualization, meaning Mm -hmm. individuating, becoming an individual from our family. And that's really necessary, you know, in human development. If you look at human development, individuation is like that final stage. It's like that self-actualizing stage. And in a patriarchy, it's really challenging for women to be self-actualized because there's such an enmeshment between mothers and daughters. Um, So it's like what you're doing, this whole, you know, kind of uh, challenge is about how do you fully express and self-actualize yourself and maintain connection. Mm-hmm. And part of this is working with your little child, your inner child, and updating some of those fears that she has. You know, mm-hmm. some of the fears that our inner child has are fears based on the past. The child looks through the, the lens right. of the wound and thinks that those same threats are present, but they're really not. She thinks like, I'm going to die if I you know, am, am different, if I'm not the way that they want me to be. And it's almost like through that inner safety that you create through the inner mothering practice, you start to, you start to bring a new vision to that little girl Mm -hmm. and through evidence, through bringing her evidence, it's almost Mm -hmm. like our subconscious has, it heals and changes through evidence, through proving to yourself that you're not going to die when you do these certain things. And so it's through that safety and bonding and also updating those beliefs. So you can even do a dialogue with your inner child and you say to her, you know, it makes sense, you know, empathizing, like it makes total sense that you would fear, you know, abandonment by being your full self because you had experiences when you were a little girl of that. That Exactly. That proved it. Um, so I, you validate it, empathize with it. And then you bring a new vision that actually now things are different. Because now you have me, your adult self, who's here to help you, protect you, uplift you, and keep you safe, um, and to help you realize that actually, we're going to do better than ever when we're self-actualized. Yes, some people might not 
you know, there might be conflict along the way, there might be some fear, but ultimately we're going to be in a better place than if we stay small. Um, And so with little ways you can give her experiences and little ways that it is safe to shine. And um, sometimes you have to kind of work up to that level. So it's a practice Mm. um, of doing that, Uh, but it's really coming to terms with how it wasn't safe. You know, it wasn't safe when you were a little girl. So we have to sometimes holding us ourselves back is a way of um, keeping yourself safe, keeping yourself safe, trying not to die. Right. Also (laughs) being loyal to the family, being loyal to the family way. And that we all made right to the, yeah. Yeah. So it's like the loyalty. What I like to say is we transfer the attachment bond from the outer mother or family. If you want to put it in a larger sense, we transfer that attachment bond from the outer to the inner. So we're no longer dependent on people outside of ourselves to feel safe, loved, held, belonging, mm. all of that. We, we, through this inner mothering work, we transfer yes. that attachment bond to the inner so that, so empowering. that sense of, yes, it comes from inside you now. Yes. And, and then, wow, when you really get that, and it's not like it's going to be perfect, but when you get to a certain level, and of course there's lots of layers along the way, but when you get to a certain level and there's so many levels, you can, you feel like you can blow through these layers and your life can start to take on a whole new direction that you might not have ever considered just through, um, you know, really creating that inner safety. Um, then you can show up, make new choices in the moment. You can say no to things that don't honor you. You don't have to let fear control your behavior. Right. Um, and, and a lot of this is getting good at witnessing the triggers in the moment, like becoming aware of them, catching them quickly. And then taking action from there rather than letting the old programming kind of direct you. And then before you know it, you're down like a rabbit hole. You want to start, you know, get really good. And this is a skill that anybody can learn. You catch it quickly and then, you know, you can change it in a moment. Um, so powerful. Cause, and that just just shows you that like, if you don't, know these things about yourself. Like if I didn't know this, let's say if I hadn't done some of this work, um, you may be hitting your head against the wall and have no idea why, but at least knowing Mm -hmm. it. And like you said, and doing all these little, you know, these steps here and there working up to it, then you can start the healing process, but really important to even just be able to see it and to see the triggers and all that, that that's just a gift on its own. Um, Okay. Sorry. Last question, because I know sure. I'm super grateful for all the time that you've spent with us. So for those of us who do know that we've had a rough relationship with our mother and we want to stay in blaming and kind of indulging in that, you know, kind of victim mentality. Uh, and sometimes that feels so good. Like that feels like, uh, cause I know I was there for a very long time. How, any, any tips on how to get out of that and move towards more of a healing process? Yeah, I think that there's like the place of being in a victim is um, when that happens, what's really going on is the inner child is kind of ru- ru- running the show. So mm. it's like, I don't want to grow up. You know, mm. that's kind of part of what's happening there. It's like, and the anger is legitimate. Like, you know, we all, right. when we were children, it happened. we were, yeah. it happened. You know, we mm-hmm. were dependent, powerless, without resources. As kids, we're really, really powerless to our parents. And so whatever happened, we really didn't have any 
way to say no, escape, make things better. You know, we just had to endure it. We just had to get through it. And so there is a point on the healing journey and many points along the way for, for many of us where we have to really feel that anger, but we want to place it in its pr- proper context. There's this thing about like feeling angry and kind of running, you know, just letting it run amok and keeping us stuck. But the anger that really moves us forward when we can really gain traction with it is when we can direct that anger in the context of what happened, but really put it in the context of the past, that this happened in the past, you know, the things that we went through as children, the ways we were powerless, how we might have been used or abused or even just neglected or, you know, to whatever degree. And I, mm-hmm. I think even a little bit of that is too much, you know, like you have the right to feel legitimately angry and sad about that. That is true. And the truth is that now though, you're an adult. We're you have a choice. And so we have a choice and, and our responsibility now is, you know, we couldn't change what happened, but now we do have control. And so part of that is really coming to terms with the fact that it happened, but also that it happened in the past. And that's empowering. So that's not a reason to feel like, oh, you know, I'm here and I'm powerless again. No, you're not. You're not powerless now. You actually have mm-hmm. the capacity to move through it. And so feeling that anger in the context of it happened then, it wasn't okay. And, but now I have the chance to make new choices based on this. Mm-hmm. And to get excited about that is what I would say. Like, mm-hmm we heal through the wound. We don't heal by getting around it or like avoiding it or bypassing it. The wound itself, as we work through it, delivers exactly the transformations and insights and experiences we need to be the person we're meant to be, to have the awesome life that we're destined for. So getting support and doing the work to move through it is how you genuinely and meaningfully transform your life. I spent a lot of years avoiding it, like totally going off into spirituality and like trying that. Like if I'm just spiritual enough, I'll never have to deal with (laughs) it. I'll manifest then. Yeah. Yeah. But the truth is it's always waiting there for you. So I like to say it's like the best investment of your time to work on yourself and to work on, work through this because if you really do it in the proper deep way, you won't have to have all this shit recreating itself in your life and you can really move forward. And in an earthly way, because we are on earth, (laughs) not in the spirit world and that like our body holds traumas and we have this human suit that uh, works differently here on earth than it does up in the spirit world. So um, we have to work through things here differently and we can't. Um, And I just want to, yeah, I want to say one more thing about that because I didn't mention it earlier and I just remembered it. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. (laughs) No, please. Um, I just wanted to say that there is a a third layer to the mother wound. And maybe this is a good point for us to kind of conclude that um, the third level of the mother wound is a spiritual wound. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it is, is because the mother wound serves as a wall between us and life itself. So whatever we Mm -hmm. don't deal with, you know, whatever self-protections that we're hooking into it's like we can't really connect. It prevents us from connecting with our bodies, with life, with just the moment, with other people. Oh my goodness, yes. It prevents us from really arriving on this planet. Mm -hmm. And so what I've discovered and seen in so many other people too, it's like when you work through this wound, yes, you have to feel difficult emotions like anger and sadness and, and all of that, disappointment, what have you, devastation in moments. 
But that, when you feel it fully, you fully discover, I think, your spirituality in the sense that you realize that nothing can truly harm you. Like I remember mm-hmm. once I, I was in therapy and I was uh, in a therapy session. I remember feeling this sense of that was always in the background of my consciousness, but it was the sense of wanting to die. Like I want to mm-hmm. die. I hate myself. You know, like I hate right. my needs. What that really was, was I was a child and I couldn't get rid of my needs. And I was a good girl when I didn't have any needs. Mm-hmm. So it was like this very primordial um, kind of self-hate that I internalized as a result of being a child. And my therapist was just like, why don't you just be with it rather than like, let's, bring, let's call it forward. Let's be with this feeling. And at first I was like, oh my God, I can't. This feeling is going to destroy me. This is like the worst feeling ever. But I did. I, I sat there and I allowed myself to feel it. And I was like, oh my God, this is the bottom. Like I could never feel anything more horrible than this and so I'm alive and I'm okay, yeah, and, you're okay. And, and I'm I'm all right and it's mm-hmm. like so I think like when we allow ourselves that's just kind of an example but when we allow ourselves to feel these painful feelings we lean into them when we open to them when we embrace them we really discover something powerful which is that there's a compassion that we can hold that is so large when we can really get in touch with how we were harmed how it wasn't our fault how we never did anything wrong we can feel that love for ourselves, there's a compassion that opens up that's so big that it can hold everything. It can hold life. It can hold all the things that go wrong. It can hold, it's just so big. It's like a spiritual awakening that can happen. Mm-hmm. Like you are lovable and you are loved even here. Even the fog in this. is it's, lifted. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I just wanted to say that, that in my view, this is the real spirituality. It's when you know, personal growth, you know, when our trauma is healed to a certain degree, then the veils fall and we can yes. really connect and we can feel the connection that's always been there, but we yes. just haven't been able to feel it. Right. <laughs> exactly. And then we can do it on our own without, you know, um, any outside, uh, yeah, we can just do it. We can just do it uh, by looking at a tree, <laughs> not by having to have yeah. some sort of experience. Yep. Well, it's like spirituality stops being some kind of like mental thing. It starts being a a living reality. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Bethany, (laughs) I'm so grateful to you. I'm so thankful that you're in this world doing this work. Um, You're amazing. Please, uh, can you please share how um, people can work with you if they would, if they resonate? Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Nikki. It's been so awesome to be part of your podcast. I appreciate it. You're inviting me. I've loved our conversation today. And uh, for those of you who are listening who want to um, get, learn more, learn more about what I do, you can go to my website, which is uh, www.motherwound.com, all one word, motherwound.com. And the way that I work with people is I have an online course, which goes through my seven-step process on how to heal the mother wound. So I created a roadmap for women so that they can more easily and more efficiently move through the layers of getting the mental clarity you need, doing the emotional processing, and also getting community support to really come to the other side of the mother wound and to get the tools that will serve you for the rest of your life as you heal and evolve into ever greater levels of your true self. Mm-hmm. And that is a great course. That's kind of my core offering, offering. but then I also okay. offer private coaching and, okay. um, Private coaching includes the course, but it's also lots of one-on-one time with me. You get email access to me, and um, there's an application on my website if you're interested in private coaching. 
And then I'm about to launch a really exciting new project called Emergence Now. And this is all about, it's a membership site where you can join for a really low, um, like 20 bucks a month. It's going to be launched next month in February. And it's going to be all, yeah, it's going to be about (laughs) emerging from patriarchy. So what are the ways that we could emerge in our daily life? So it's, I really want to bring you like tips and tools and resources that you can use in your daily life because it's really these little moments in our lives where we can shift things big time. And the the more of us that are doing these kind of shifts, the more things can change rapidly. And I think it's all about, you know, the mother wound is a bridge that connects so many of us all over the world. And um, Mm -hmm. so we'll be talking about topics connected to the mother wound, you know, leadership, healing, pleasure, self-care, boundaries, all kinds of um, topics. And I'll be doing talks every month as well as having some surprise guests and there's also mini courses and um, other resources. So it's like a guided experience. And it's a really global community of women who are committed to like doing the work. Love it. Um, and, and, when you're, and when you're in Emergence Now, you also get a discount on my online course as well. So okay. it's a great new thing. And um, yeah, if you want to join my mailing list at motherwound.com, you'll get first you know, notification when Emergence Now launches uh, okay. next month. I love it. Well, we'll, we, I will include all of that in the show notes. Um, so everybody can just, uh, you know, open up the description here on the podcast and click through, but if any of this resonated with you listeners, please go down the rabbit hole, follow Bethany's work, you know, sign up for what, what feels right for you. But, um, this is really important, uh, work, not just for you, but for those women that come after you. And that doesn't mean having daughters, that means just anybody, any other woman that we're around and, and how we interact and how we um, continue to heal as, as a whole. So thank you again, Bethany. I really appreciate you. And uh, I look forward to seeing all your work continue to move forward and make all the changes that it's making in the world. So thank you. Thank you, Nikki. And thanks everyone for listening. It's been great to be here. Thanks so much for listening. For more guidance on your journey to the final swipe, please visit me at NikkiNovo.com.